Welcome to Kibi on Liberty. So I'm, um, I'm trying to figure out, I feel like you have been on this program even more than Thomas Massey. I disagree. Because we did that first show, which was kind of totally half-baked, Yeah. where you interview me, mm-hmm. and we just did the show on how AI is going to destroy everything that you care about in the world. Yeah, with my publisher. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should just talk about that some more. Yeah, we can start um, that. No, I don't need to talk about it. We're all, I think we're all AI'd out. Yeah. You know? It's over. But you've come around. Like you're, You no longer think that AI is the end of the world. No, there is other things that are going to end us sooner, I yeah. guess. Yeah. <laughs> AI will existentially end us at some point, but I think we'll, we'll probably kill ourselves before that. Yeah. Yeah. And, <laughs> which is a perfect segue to your latest project. And the reason we've gathered today is that you have a new book. House on Fire. House on Fire. Yeah. It's a graphic um, novel. That is, that is coming out um, uh, imminently. Well, so it'll be in comic shops uh, next, as of this recording, next Wednesday. And then it'll be in bookstores on the 25th or the 28th of March. So soon, soon. Very soon. Yeah. And this was, uh, um, um, and this is by no means your first comic, but. No. Um, this is a real passion project for you because of what we lived through for the last three years. Yeah, this is what I did during my COVID vacation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> At least you did something. I don't I don't think most people did anything. They just got fat. Yeah. Well I did it uh well the, the, the I think the first page I did was like my I did it in May of twenty twenty. Like I did the original, like the first like conception of the story. And then I did the, I went down to, I drove, did the RV trip with my dad down to Texas. And then in that, during that drive from Philly to Texas, I kind of wrote up what would become this um, because there was such a stark contrast between what was going on in Philly. And then like, I don't know, as you're driving through the middle of the country, it's, it was like totally different vibes. Yeah. <laughs> like a whole different world in a sense. And so what is the what is the story in a nutshell? Uh well I'm trying other people have described it way better than I have, but Well, um, I'll I'll correct it yeah, after you yeah. butch after you butcher it. You tell me what it's about. <laughs> it's so I and I I wrote a small review of this and yeah. and I'll I'll be expanding on that, but um it, one of the, the one of the most fascinating it's a dystopian story about this unimaginable world mm-hmm. where the government doesn't allow you to leave your community and the government decides what healthcare services you, you can or cannot have, uh, where you can go, what you can do, um, whether or not you're allowed to, to push back and speak up about it. Mm-hmm. So like a completely unimaginable yeah, dystopian completely. This is all background. World. I mean, the story is basically like, what What do you do if someone you love is, is hurting? What are you going to do to fix that? Yeah. Like that's the... That's the ultimately the plot is the that's the question that that's at the core of it. And you'll do anything. Yeah, and then eventually, do you do you do you sometimes do things that you maybe regret or 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 
what do you have to give up or lose of yourself to to um you know to to fix a problem and that's 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 i think that's the core emotional struggle and then you know all of the world stuff is i think if you're awake in the past three years it should be terrifyingly relevant yeah (laughs) yeah and i think um i mean it it you you don't say as much but um for someone like me and if anybody watches the show knows exactly where i have come down on the government's response to the pandemic i think it's been a humanitarian disaster from from day one and it's fascinating to me that you started conceiving of this story in may of 2020 when i think for for some of us i mean certainly at free the people we were having conversations about how catastrophic this would be yeah we were in a very dark place yeah we were in a very dark place because uh, by that point we we realized that they weren't going to stop helping us yeah and we just wanted them to stop um because everything was getting worse but um you know, I, I feel like very early on we were talking about the, the, the structures of, of authoritarian oppression that were emerging to keep us safe. Yeah. And, and now like, that stuff's um, more apparent, I think, to a lot more people. But the, the fascinating thing of, to me about science fiction, uh, would you call this a sci-fi? I would. I mean, it is. It's, it's, it's a sci-fi. I think it's unfortunately closer to fiction than it is science fiction. Well, that's what that's what <laughs> I'm learning about science fiction. Is it always comes true in some yeah, way. It always comes true in some way. It's predictive of the future because it imagines um, um, what it the unintended consequences. I think to a lot of a lot of dumb things we do, and and in a lot of the great science fiction um, stories, the government becomes a monster. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you look at yeah. You know, it's funny you look at like a movie like. Um, like Blade Runner, where it's sort of predicting these the China takeover in in a way because yeah. it's set in California, but it's very it, so. You know, there's all these little seeds in so much of good sci-fi that that are like you, know, you see happening today. Yeah, it's maybe not in the way that you expected it, but there's a lot of uh, predictive power to it. And and I, I felt like in making this book um, that that I wanted, you know, we've in the, in my sort of life so far, there have been two really sharp uh, turning points in American history. Uh, The first being 9-11 and the subsequent response to that. Um, The War on Terror, the Patriot Act, all of these things that, I think that there was a pretty huge artistic response to it. you know, uh, the, the thing that stands out in my mind, because at the time I didn't get it, but I remember seeing Springsteen on the Magic Tour, and in the intro to the song Living in the Future, he talks about all of the uh, awful things that the Patriot Act had then had, had, had just um, put into permanent fixture in American life. Now, granted, he, uh, he, he dropped that sort of shtick after, after Obama got elected, so it was almost... but. But the point being, the the point is that it was all. We're not going to we're not going to pick on Bruce. No, we're not. No. Um, and and so like there was a lot of art made out of that, right? And 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 we can go on, and there were tons of movies and things, and um, and I don't think we've seen that based out of the pandemic, and and so. Uh, I think that that um, 
if you're going to make art and you're living through some period of time that's you can I think anyone can say this is a pivotal moment in history um, I think a responsibility is to comment on it um, in some way and uh, you know you look to the 70s that's what people did and I'm, I worry that there isn't enough um, cultural commentary and, and that's why they're going to be able to memory hole a lot of the awful things that they did yeah, I mean, we we've we talk about this all the time, but it seems like the the, the creative community, um, certainly what's left of Hollywood, or now it's um, I don't know what you call Hollywood anymore. It's it's like Movies. Netflix or whatever. Yeah, um, big tech, I guess, is big what it streaming. is. Big stream. Um, the 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 creative, the natural creative artistic impulse to question authority mm-hmm. and to 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 cut against the grain doesn't seem to be there anymore. They seem to be marching in lockstep on, and certainly on everything COVID related. Well, there's the, the, other than like the occasional funny uh, parallels, like, I don't know if you watched that dope sick show that came out. I, I don't remember when it came out, but it came out over the course of COVID. And uh, that's about the opioid epidemic. And, there are a lot of links of why you maybe shouldn't trust Big Pharma in that show. Um, I just don't think that at the time when it came out, people weren't like applying that lesson to what was going on at the present. Yeah. At Kibbe on Liberty, freedom is a lifestyle 24-7, something you live and breathe and wear every day. If that describes you, you need the very best Liberty swag in the market today. Just like this shirt I happen to be wearing. Go to freethepeople.org slash KOL and check out our exciting merch. You too can love liberty and look cool. Um, they, they never like, um, I was thinking about this and, and wanting to, to get myself in a lot of trouble on Twitter, which I haven't done yet. But so many um, Republicans are now wanting to essentially declare war on Mexico. Yeah, which is insane. Um, because of the opioid crisis, and one of the one of the dynamics that we absolutely saw uh, manifest itself in a in a wildly dangerous way during COVID was the collusion of big pharma and big government. Yeah, and I have this bizarre libertarian view that that the, the perversions, the perverse incentives that that come out of um, the pharmaceutical industry have have everything to do with with government protection and the the. Uh, insatiable need to, to only produce the kinds of drugs that maximize um, patent protected profits. Yeah. Well, and, and I think that's where the opioid crisis originates, but everything the government has done since then has made it worse. To, to, to bring it back to my book, because that's what we're here to talk about. You, you brought up, <laughs> I, I, you, I know, you brought up opioids. Well, but so the thing that I was thinking about with, with the book is, is that, because the other thing that we're seeing is this rural, urban rural divide. And, and, you think about where sort of supplies will be um, concentrated. And, and one of the things that I posit in the book, which is, again, all of this stuff is background, so it's not really, you know, I think that a lot of fiction today gets very wrapped up in world building, mm-hmm. which, which I find to be uh, exhausting. It's just a, a lot of exposition, and it's just kind of boring to read through. Um, but one of the things that I was thinking about, and, and, you know, these are all dots that are in the book for people to connect if they'd like to, and if they don't want to, that's all well and good, um, is that, is that you know, uh, cities are going to 
go, would hoard certain supplies and you'd think medical supplies, especially like pharmaceuticals and things like that, you'd think that maybe they cities are going to take more of those or they're going to yeah. have more access to that stuff. And then if you're in a rural area, um, as our main character is, you have different things that you're able to trade with, but uh, maybe you don't have access to, to, to certain drugs and things like that. And so, so now you know, that's the other conflict in the book is how do you go get the thing that you need? Yeah. And uh, so, know. so like one, one of the things that, that I, I like about this book is, is what you just said. It's not, it's not all spelled out for the reader. Um, and this, this is what Bob Dylan famously does. He refuses to tell people what his songs are about. Yeah. And he's like, you figure it out. And he, they think he literally says that. Um, and so when I, when I read this book, the, the quest, and I don't know how much spoiling we want to do, um, but the, but the, it, it strikes me that the drugs that are needed to save the loved one, mm-hmm. how, how specific do you want to get? People are gonna after we talk about this, they're gonna have to buy it. They're yeah, gonna, gonna I, I, there's like I think that there's a basically we can get into the like part where he goes up to the like gets to like basically just before the trade off. That's okay. like that. We'll, we'll talk about the first third of the book. So the um, it's all mood setting. Yeah. <laughs> well, and here's how I interpreted it, and yeah. you, you don't actually say this in the book, but I'm. I'm extrapolating from from the experience, and my my farmer rant was not totally irrelevant to this. Um, my sense is that whatever um, his wife is struggling with, she's mm-hmm. she's chronically ill. She desperately needs drugs. The drugs are not available. Um, my my sense is that big var- pharma has created huh. a dependency. Huh. I um, I don't know what you're talking about. And that, um, and I'm just, I'm just thinking about the endless boosting that people are uh, foisting upon us, um, and the potential of destroying immune systems. Um, I don't know if we're going to get now get our our freaking (laughs) show banned. I don't know anything about it. um, (laughs) (laughs) Well, that's the thing. That's so. That's what I I like about um, comics as a medium is that uh, you can just leave breadcrumbs and see where people would like to go with it. And, and that's why I hate all this sort of this world building narrative stuff that people do where it's like, let's give you, I'm going to build out every single friggin' detail and tie out all together because um, I'd rather let your mind wander and you can make these connections. Now, was I maybe thinking about this stuff when I was writing the book, drawing the book? I, possibly. I don't know. I'm not going to answer. That's like, just like, I also like it's, it's, it, I never, the COVID is not said in the book. So we're just assuming it's about COVID. Well, it, it could be. It could be anything. It could it, be smallpox. It could, it could be a fungus. Yeah. Who uh, knows? And that's I. And, and and I know that you're watching The Last of Us. Uh, I, I played the first ten minutes of the game. I think. Um, but uh, I, and and it's something constant throughout zombie fiction is like they generally never give up the ghost of where zombies came from or why they're there or why the because the cause isn't really all that important. It, mm-hmm. It's sort of just it is and and as we're kind of finding out you know in all likelihood the government did it <laughs> right right and, and so like this and this this gets back purely to speculative fiction. the, the yes. science fiction and um and i i compared this book um to some some sort of um version that invokes both ayn rand's anthem a future dystopian novel that turned me on to libertarian ideas 
and and The Last of Us, which I am currently going through. I never I never played the game. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm too much of a boomer to to play games like that, but um, I do still watch shows, yeah. and I, I'm personally obsessed with with zombie type shows. Specifically, not it's not about zombies at all. I, I don't. Even, They're never the zombies are always just a trapping. Yeah, it's Ooh. it's it's about um, humans trying to figure out how to cope with things and. And like I like I mentioned earlier, like the, the the government, like all all of the perverse incentives that are created when you give government too much power just explode because right. they're they're unchecked and they're they're grossly self serving and and they they just become like the enemy. Well, yeah. Um, and that's not that's not really in here, but it's in, it's in the background. Yeah. It's it's in the border checks and all that. Which we're we're like. You need permission. Yeah, to which, go somewhere, which we we all went through. Or, yeah. And I mean, you know, Djokovic is still going through that. He can't play tennis here. Yeah. <laughs> so I, it's, I, I see people on Twitter um, when you say that you weren't allowed to leave your house, and it is objectively, literally true. And when I when I cross state lines in I don't know what it was, summer of 2020, whenever they started imposing all of those those travel restrictions, mm-hmm. I had to get a um, letter from Blaze TV's lawyer saying that I was a protected class. I was right. a journalist so that <laughs> I could cross state lines. Yeah. And so many, so many lockdowners now um, say that never happened. That's happen. ridiculous. It's totally um, did. And that's, and that's, I think that's why, like, that's one of those things that, and we did, did um, the all we have documentary about um, the schnitzel house of bar in New York dealing with COVID restrictions and stuff like that. And that's so why it's so important and why I think that it's such a glaring hole in, I don't know, our artistic cultural movement where there's just not a lot of stuff that's like, hey, remember that? Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Um, and, and, you know, uh, e- even, even going back to the sort of the war on terror uh, analogy, like when you compare the sort of, and I, and I'm, I'm seeing um, Chris Coyne's book over here, so this is it's also on top of mind seeing that. But uh, when you compare the reaction, the artistic response to, say, Vietnam, and then compare that to the response to Iraq, Afghanistan, and it's very different. Vietnam was way more critical. And, I mean, granted, there was the draft and all that, and, and I think that people cared a lot more, but... Um, there's just not a robust questioning of what's going on yeah. um, from the sort of cultural contingent. Thank you for joining me today on Kibbe on Liberty and for being part of our fiercely independent audience. Every week, my organization, Free the People, partners with Blaze TV to bring you this show. My guests bring smart perspectives on everything from current events to timeless philosophical debates. If you like what you hear, go to freethepeople.org KOL and support Kibbe on Liberty so we can continue to produce these honest conversations with interesting people. Now, let's get back to it. Chris has, um, and, and since you invoked him, um, I just did a show with Chris Coyne, um, I don't know, a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And he has, a, he has a different book about um, government sort of hijacking art and entertainment as propaganda to defend the never-ending war machine yeah, well, Top Gun Maverick maybe save theaters, but it's also a really nice propaganda piece. It is blatant <laughs> propaganda, and I, I thought 
it was it was I was struggling. They didn't even I was define struggling. who they're shooting down at the end right. because who it, it, it can just, just drop it in. You can slap a new flag on in post every ten years and you yeah. pick a different war. I mean, it's clearly Russia. But I but I think I think this is um, this this is this is relevant to your book and and why why we need to sort of free the art to to criticize government again because I don't think. Um, unfortunately, your dystopian, futuristic um, story is is completely believable, and yeah. maybe by the time it's published next week, um, we'll be living literally in that in that world. <laughs> so, like, we got to tell the story. Well, my 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 like whole premise was like, let's just like go down the cycle another like few times. Like, if we if we go through COVID like three more times, like where do we end up? Yeah. It? Which. I, I kept having to stop myself where like I keep stopping and starting when I was trying to draw it because I'd be like this is shit keeps happening and I'm like this is I'm like not even it's not even it's not pushing out to fiction yet yeah yeah well I, um, <laughs> and so that was sort of a, a real problem for me it, it's interesting that you invoke um, 9-11 and then then lockdowns as these two um, defining um, exogenous events in your life that that really changed your world, and uh, and I would I, I would very much say the same. Like anyone that lived through these two things, if if they didn't change your world, you're you must be living in a hole somewhere. You have to be. I yeah. mean, it, the, the 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 and again with even with with nine eleven, like it, I don't know that I I definitely didn't appreciate it in the moment, but looking back, you can see how completely different things were after that um i mean i think that people thought that like after covid people thought that there was going to be that 9-11 getting together thing like oh we're all in it together and that was all that turned out that was complete bullshit because the whole the whole way they went about it was entirely about drawing people further apart um and so so of course that was never going to be happen um, and I, that, that was just a piece that I remember from the sort of the start of it. There, there were these moments where you like, you know, you, there were things that were interesting because you're now all on the computer and, uh, you know, you got a lot of time to yourself, assuming that you weren't essential, deemed essential. You know, I, uh, uh, my sister is a nurse and my brother-in-law who's also a nurse. They, you know, they were working the whole time. But then also, like, they were treated like pariahs. Right. <laughs> so, like, you they know. Were, they were working the whole time. They probably <laughs> they were, they were got the COVID only, They were the OG only two generation. people that I used, would see free, pretty frequently other than my wife. And uh, and it's like they were also the two people who, like, if you were to read the internet, are like, oh, you should stay away from them. And it's like, well, what the fuck else? And, and then we fired them if they refused to, to get <laughs> right. vaccinated. Right. Yeah. So I, it just, I, you know, again, like, again, it just, to, to me – house on fire as a book is is for me it's an emotional record of a time period yeah uh and and there's a sci-fi sort of the plot element of it but but um my hope with it and this is what i think is a thing that that comics can express in a way that a novel can't or a film can't is that because you sit there and you're holding it and you're reading it um and because it's pictures and but there's not a lot like you can put a lot of yourself into it as well like you're 
you, the reader, is piecing together what happens from panel to panel, and 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 there's a lot of interplay there. So my hope with it, and why it's not an overly wordy book, even you know, in spite of the fact that I also don't like writing a lot of words, um, is that people can reflect upon their own experiences from the past few years and 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 hopefully be able to reassess what went on. Um, you know, I I don't want to. I have a little. The only artist statement within the book, other than obviously the book existing, is I have a little afterward. Um, basically, you know, like I became a dad last year. And so my hope is, is that when Helen's old enough to read it, that she, like, it'll be complete fiction to it's her. It's fiction again. I don't think that's going to be true, unfortunately. But, like, I would hope that. And so I, but I, I think that it's all, the onus is on us to sort of, this should be a cautionary tale of what happened. And uh, and I think we should be worried about what the government is going to do with all these new powers. Well, the, the thing, um, the question of, of I want to get back to propaganda because mm -hmm. the, the, you know, the, the reason Free the People exists and the reason that you and I work together is that we, we think that that culture, the direction and the conversation and culture is far more important than what happens downstream in the next election. Mm -hmm. um, and um, we've now lived through this this period. I think one of the big reveals of the last three years is that the, the government itself has hijacked the cultural narrative by not just by censoring people on Twitter and Facebook, but by um, um, buying creators and buying those platforms um, think about all of the places that Fauci appeared in the begin early days of the sort of like lockdown. Um, you know, he, he appeared on my like on everywhere. Uh, uh, I listened to a, a sports podcast, you know, and they had him on. I'm, I guarantee the government. I assume that was before that pitch. Huh? Before. The oh, pitch. yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, but like I guarantee, but like you know that that the the government was pushing them out there, mm -hmm. and and this was when they were still doing ten days to stop the spread, which is also total turned out to be complete bullshit. So they they pushed that hard and they hit every single outlet with it, and uh, it was inescapable, and it definitely broke a lot of brains in the process. Um, and I think there's still a period some some irrational fears of things with it yeah and and they kind of sp spike up and down i you know uh the fact that they're still doing like oh take a covid test and it's like well who gives a shit doesn't matter i like wh what are you gonna do about it like that's the what what are you gonna are you you're but just gonna you're gonna buy you're gonna more be COVID sick tests, yeah. and then you're gonna sleep and then you'll be okay in a couple days like the actions are the same. Like, it doesn't matter at, at this point. Like, it's not you, – you wouldn't take a flu test. You just – it would be like, oh, I got the flu. <laughs> and if you're really sick, you'll go to the hospital. So I wonder if the, um, you know, government – coordinated government efforts revealed by Elon Musk mm -hmm. to um, – Well, uh, revealed by, like, all those – Yeah. Those journals. Well, 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 Twitter. well documented yeah. um, at this point. You know, we we sort of knew elements of that were happening all along. Um, if we you we have eyes and a brain, right? 
Every conspiracy theory is a conspiracy theory until it seems to come true with this COVID stuff. <laughs> but back to the Chris Coin point. So, uh-huh. so we know that that creators and dissident voices were were systematically suppressed during lockdowns. They weren't mm-hmm. they weren't allowed on the shows. They weren't allowed on the platforms. They weren't allowed to tell those alternative stories. But but Chris Coin has documented how the government and particularly the military industrial complex has always done that by by buying comics for instance <laughs> yeah and yet uh-huh. and yet the dissidents broke through so is it was it different then is just more just more systematized now but it's the same thing like because to publish a comic you need distribution and but it's if, such so, so much cheaper and smaller like the the stakes are so small with comics and, and it, I mean now it's bigger because every mega blockbuster is a based off of a a superhero comic it seems like um but i i think as far as like free expression goes the medium of comics is still a really potent one um you know the difference too though because you don't you didn't need permission you you, no i could just found a dissident publisher Mm -hmm. talk about the publisher for a second oh yeah so living the line uh sean who we had on uh when we discussed ai is uh you know, small publisher, but he's got distribution, and uh, he's a. I liked working with him because he's also a very, very capable, talented artist in his own right. So he was able to, um, he was able to help me like kind of level up my game um, in, in 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 a number of ways. But like, you know, we can. It's a small, smaller print run, but like, you get distribution. Hopefully, it picks up. Hopefully, people buy it, and can go on but the cost of making a comic other than printing it are it, it's the person drawing its time i mean mm-hmm. and i'm gonna draw regardless so it doesn't you know the, my when i send it to sean i was like i'm just i'm drawing this book no matter what like if you like it i'd love for you to publish it and it worked out perfectly but um you know that what's the cost of i mean now the cost of paper is going up but still compared to every other form of of media right it's it's a pretty cheap one to produce and and readership is going up i mean i think readership for a lot of the superhero sort of you know monthly comics is going down but um but every other comics medium sort of uh piece is going up because people i think it's a super potent art form is it is it like music where People are getting more choices, so the it's, it's yeah, more I think decentralized. It's, it's, it's decentral- yeah, and I and I think people are getting them in different places, and also like there's um, there's so many more options now, and there's so many more different readers. Uh, it, everything used to be focused. I and I think that this is an in, that part of the. I think the thing that comics medium struggles with is there is a level of. Uh, infantilization about it because it was so long just dominated by superheroes so a lot of other stuff doesn't always get a chance in the um the comics market but now there's such a large book market where you think about all the young adult stuff all the you know middle grade readers there are there's tons of comics and now there's a lot more adult stuff that isn't like superhero stuff which which i, I you know to me, and there are a lot of people in our space who spend a lot of time criticizing what Marvel and DC does, which, I mean, it, it gets you clicks, I suppose. But uh, 
to me all that stuff doesn't matter because you know i i think people are waiting for someone to come out with like another batman story so that's really great and it's like well like I don't know. Frank Miller kind of did already. Like, th- there are enough Batman pieces in the past that are just the pinnacle. Like, no one today is gonna top. Like, I- I'm Miller himself couldn't top himself. So, like, I'd rather these things just die. Like, the the, the legacy pieces will stay, and the good ones will live on because they're good. But I, I don't know. No one's. I don't think anyone's got new ideas for these characters. It's why these Marvel movies are so, in my opinion, just safe. I and they're they're boring to me because it's just you can't it's all recycled it's all recycled it's the same shit over and over again and there's no there's no like emotional stake to it um and i think that a lot of a lot of stuff outside of that realm if people give it a chance will ha- has has more to show show them um you know and i i think that this is a i think that people are start that that sort of culture is starting to buck back against it but for very i feel like for for quite a while we've suffered through a lot of meaningless culture and content for content's sake which is some this is what we were talking about in that ai episode a bit is that you know we're 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 sort of at a point where there's just a glut of just 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 content um and it's not necessarily giving you any nutrition and i think that it's important to make something that means something if you made it this far into the show it means i must be doing something right kibbe on liberty is just one of the amazing products we created for the people we tell emotionally compelling stories and produce educational videos for the liberty curious our award-winning documentaries personalize all things liberty independence creativity hard work, integrity, and perseverance. After the show, check out our work at freethepeople.org. And if you like what you see, donate to support what we do. That's freethepeople.org. Now back to the show. But there's, I mean, you're just describing the process of creative destruction where, um, you know, things, things play out and they become dominant and tired and boring i feel like we're almost we're almost at that that peak where it's boring yeah is this (laughs) so is is your book the one that's gonna break the system that'd be really wonderful for me yeah i could use it it'd be great uh well there's i um, mean while i'm hoping that the college system breaks before uh baby baby girl is going to college i don't have i'm not holding out hope for that so it'd be great if the book takes imagine off. how much college is going to cost <laughs> i know in 17 years <laughs> so how, how, how many zeros yeah so i mean i'm hoping it the bubble burst but i i just I'm, unfortunately i'm not i can't stake my uh <laughs> well there I, I i think i know what you're going to say but like um the comics are definitely sort of um Comics and comedians, not, mm-hmm. I don't mean comic as comedian, but like, um, these, these are, these are places where the rules are broken and, and new cultural trends happen. Yeah. Cause they're easy to break them. Yeah. I, I think that books, it's tough because of, I mean, a book is, uh, like novels are, I don't know. You got to read them. <laughs> they're all about words. <laughs> Not, not, not your forte. <laughs> and films are expensive. Like movies are are expensive, um, and you you don't have you don't have a lot of the big studios where they're 
they don't seem to be taking as many risks anymore. Like, I, I just, um, at least that's what it feels like. There are obviously smaller pictures that I think are interesting. There's the whole hot horror genre is, is there are tons of people playing in that genre. I, I unfortunately am, uh, am very too, too, uh, squeamish for most horror. So I don't really care for, I don't watch a lot of horror. Um, but that's a, that's the realm that seems to have a lot of experimentation seems to be doing a lot, a lot in because it's a, horror is a cheaper film to produce um but there just doesn't seem to be a ton of that sort of uh mid mid-range movie um and then tv uh there's a lot going on but tv is just such a freaking time investment for the viewer in my opinion it drives me nuts you know everyone's like i've got this show for you and it's like okay and it's like yeah it's like we're five seasons in it's like, well, how many hours is that? And it's like, yeah, it's going to take you like a lot of time to catch up on. And I'm like, no, there's, do it. there's so much. Like, Everyone loves Yellowstone. It's like, okay, well, how, if I'd like to watch Yellowstone now, you're like, there's five seasons of regular Yellowstone, but hold on. I've got two prequel series that are both like now like four seasons. And then uh, they're probably coming out with another series. And it's like, fuck it. No, not doing it. That's that's what's that's what's happened to The Walking Dead. I'm yeah. I'm, I'm old enough to remember when you dragged me to Comic Con. Oh yeah, and The Walking Dead was still this this disruptive, it just cool, had started, I think. new thing, and that that was always my example of how um, you know comic culture could could influence popular culture. And I, you know, I I'm a bigger fan of The Walking Dead than than you probably are. But well. The Walking Dead did this to me as both a TV watcher and a comics reader because I was reading the comic. I started reading. I started like picking that book up like in single issues, like around like the third trade paperback volume area. Mm-hmm. So pretty, well, I don't know. It was probably like issue eighteen or something in the run, right? And then I fell behind on the single issues, and so I switched to the trades, and then I fell behind on the trades, and then I switched to hardcovers. And then I fell behind the hardcovers, and I switched the omnibus, and then I just stopped reading it because I was like, I just I can't keep up. And then the TV show is also like, I just you loot, you miss like a couple episodes, and you're just like, I just I'm not gonna catch back up again. And I just I did wa- I read the final issue of the comic because I I just wanted to see how he ended it, but I just it was a lot. I mean, that's a long book. I it, one day maybe I'll go, but the problem was was like again with everything like. You know, you'd get to a point, and then you'd pick it up again, and then you'd be like, shit, I can't even remember what was happening. And then you feel like you got to go all the way back to issue one, and that's like it just a, it's a lot of reading. Is, is that why you don't use a lot of words in your books? Yeah, I would like, I like, I like... Um, what, what is the genre? Like, um, there's, I assume there's a tradition of, of telling the story through the art itself, with as few words as possible. Is, well, that, is that true, or is this a Battaglia well, innovation? Well, I, I think, and so, um, uh, Paul Pope is a hero of, like, our, our comics hero of mine, and, and Pope's... We should have angels sing every time you say Paul Pope. Uh, uh, I did, I did, um, I think we talked about it at some point in time, but the when Pope did a, a, uh, a Batman comic and it, batman rescues mises from from the nazis ludwig von mises yes, that's that's a drinking point was, for this episode uh, <laughs> and uh uh rush was your intro and paul pope was mine um but uh, i did recently purchase t- 
two of the original art pages from that book uh and they're incredible they're, he draws like 19 by 24 of their posters it's amazing but anyways um i think that like so pope describes his sort of philosophy for comics making and and the more that i've read the more like i think that this is what I, it feels right for me but he's he sort of merges the japanese uh, tradition and the European tradition and has fused it into his own form. And, and a lot of that, like the Japanese, like, like manga for, for a lot of it there, they, it's not so much in a lot of the, uh, like you're not getting it in your Dragon Ball Z necessarily, but, um, all the sort of, um, there's a lot more focus on like mood and, and, and sort of, uh, emotion in manga i feel like they they do a lot of just panels that are just sort of like they come together to give you an idea of what's how to like of a feeling right they're not necessarily the panels aren't necessarily moving some sort of narrative or plot forward they're they're there to to get you into a mindset um and then the european style they uh they seem i think the europeans seem to favor like more contained stories um you know manga obviously they the, a lot of their a lot of like manga goes on for you know a hundred volumes or some shit and it's just a lot of reading but but they're faster reads because they're just they're not super wordy usually and you know they're not they're like a lot of western comics today are very um they're either very wordy the art's super it's you know they're trying to go so far into realism that it just it just it's it it's exhausting on your eyeballs um and so like you know they're just they 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 they're they're very slow to scan and they you don't actually get as much out of it i think as quickly right whereas like a manga or a european book you tend to you can read them faster but you get i feel like you you the reader get more out of it sometimes um like there's more cartooning, right? Whereas I think in a lot of Western books, there's not as much cartooning going on anymore. If that makes sense. Yeah. At yeah. least mainstream stuff. I don't even know where I was going with it. That was a comics riff, but just, I I do think that's why it's such a versatile medium. The the inspiration for the for the style of oh. of book that you've created. Yeah, um, I was trying to sort of I, I was trying to work with work work in that style because I think that it's I it's it's I like that and I don't want to you know to try to make everything this super i don't want to try to represent reality because one that's like i'm not that great of an artist um i have i like i know what my strengths are and i think that the way that i drew it i'm trying to draw with an emotion and so i hope that the way that i drew the panels even if they're not they're not perfect they're they're there's something that you sh you can gain you it tells you something just in the within the style. Um, so, so tell me if you buy this metaphor. It's okay. and it's it's less of a novel and almost more like a song where there's. Oh, that was the other point that I was going to bring up. Okay. Okay. So, that's another like there is another. I, I think that I you tr I try to think of things as like like I, I I would love to be a musician. I don't have any musical ability. But like I think that that music does an amazing thing, and that's why people have such a deep connection. I think with music, um, is that there's there there's so many levels of things going on, and 
you can connect on an emotion level. You can connect on like this aesthetic level. Um, there's the sort of the lyrical st story that's being told. And so, yeah, I definitely like, I would like to make comics that feel like an album. Mm -hmm. And, and that's another element. I want to go back just because you dropped some Easter eggs there about Paul Pope. So he, yeah. he has written a, THB is, as, as I think a libertarian should people. And what is that? Well, it's, I mean, like I, I've heard it described as like Atlas shrugged on, on Mars. Mm -hmm. I think it's, it's, um, this is going to be sacrilege to you, but I think it's, it's way, it's much better than Atlas. <laughs> but the thing that's tough is that it's, 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 it's hard to come by copies of it because, uh, he self-published it in the nineties. And I mean, and this is again, like, this is sort of the, do you do have a copy? I, I've been tracking a bunch of them down on eBay, and it's one of those things where it's like, I think, like, he's done interviews where he said, like, once he finishes, he did a book called Battling Boy, which is a young adult graphic novel, and I think he's on the hook to do the second volume of it, and then once that comes out, they'll publish the reprint of all the THB stuff, Okay. and that hasn't come out yet, so I think everyone's just kind of waiting for it to come out, uh, so a uh, friend of the this program, uh, Taylor Millard, I don't know if Millard Millard. Yeah. Um, he, I guess, I think he had at one point reached out to Paul and was like, Hey, could I get some copies of THB? And he basically pointed him to some websites and was just like, yeah, you, the you can either market. try to find it on eBay or here's, you can just kind of, here's some PDFs. Probably more expensive than buying a spring scene ticket. No, 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 it's not. I've done it. I've done both. And it's, it's not, not right now. Okay, so where where do where do people buy this book? Wherever you buy books, so you can go on Amazon, you can go on Parts Noble, you could go. It's in Target. If you want to go on Target.com, you can order it. Uh, if you've got a comic shop, um, isn't isn't that selling out? Like, shouldn't, I don't care. Shouldn't you? <laughs> wherever it's easy enough for you to I buy it. I don't care. Uh, if you have a like a local bookstore you like going to, you they can order a copy. Uh, where. Yeah, I mean, you can buy it direct through my publisher, livingthelinebooks.com. Um, you can go to my website. I have links to it, matjvat.com. But, yeah, wherever you want to buy it. Um, comic shops are a great option, but honestly, um, if you just buy a copy, that that's what matters to me. And, so, we're, and we're toying with the idea would love um, to. of making this into a, um, a dramatic a film. A motion picture. A motion picture. A film. A film. Which you, you've already made the case as to why we shouldn't watch those because it takes too long. Well, no, I think that... It, except, it, it, except this one. If I were to do it, like, there are things that would expand that I just didn't, like, feel like, honestly, like, like things that I didn't... I, I, I wanted to give um, some of the characters a little bit... Like, if I were to make it into a film, like, I'd give some more characters a little bit more to, to do. Um, but, like, drawing it, it would have just been, like, a... Like I, I, right now, like a hundred pages was that was where I could do, get to. Um, my next book, maybe I'll be able to get to two hundred or something. But but uh, and I if, just I wanted to get be done with it. Yeah, <laughs> and if anybody is watching The Last of Us, it it very much invokes this. Even though this was finished before the series actually was released. Yeah, and I, I and yeah. It's, so it's 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 in that. It's in that if you genre. Like that, you'll like this. Cool. And where do people find you so that they can yell at you on social media? Uh, I am Matt J Bat uh, everywhere. 
everywhere. So, and you can be contacted at freethepeople.org. I can. All right. That's correct. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Thanks for watching. If you liked the conversation, make sure to like the video, subscribe, and also ring the bell for notifications. And if you want to know more about Free the People, go to freethepeople.org.